Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Beers, Please. This is the podcast where my friend Matthew Smith and I invite you to a classic sports bar hangout. Hey, Grab yo. a beer, turn on the game. Thank you for joining us. Lovely Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Matt, how are you doing? It's good to have you here. I'm doing well. I'm doing, I mean, you know, there's there was that FA Cup semifinal on Sunday that could have gone. <laughs> it could have at least been, I was watching it with my other friend who's a good United fan. We're like, it would have been at least better if it wasn't also the most boring match in the world. But like, there was there was nothing to take away from that besides like, oh, that sucked. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, well, there, you know, I feel that, man. I feel that. It's it's hard when a game is both boring and then the fun things are not what you want to happen. That's not yeah. what you want out of a game. That's just not yeah. what you want. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's just start this off here. Uh, there's no games going on right now, so I'm just looking at you. You have got my full attention, Matt. I want you to know that. It's about uh, damn time. It's about damn time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, what are you drinking? Are you drinking anything? Are you hydrating? What are you feeling? Uh I'm just going coffee right now. If I was drinking something, I was going with – I thought this was going to give me good luck on Sunday, and I just went with the classic Guinness. Classic you know, Guinness. There's few few drinks better in the world to watch soccer to than Guinness. I wish it was a draft, but, you know. Yeah. Would you say – like, what is what is your – do you have a favorite beer? Would you – where is Guinness? Guinness. So Guinness yeah. is your favorite? Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I never had, like, a favorite – beer or drink i need to work on that you know i anytime i go to a bar I, i'm just i don't know what to get i just get something that sounds good which is like also an adventure but i, right. I do want to have a favorite beer that is something yeah I have. well because then there's all those people that are like they've got like their beer or their cocktail and that's like all they get and like as much as i love guinness i you know variety is the spice of life variety is the spice of life so it's more i think it's more fun to mix it up but it's also nice to have one like when i'm like okay Guinness is my my go-to. Yeah, it's a safety and you need it. And then you can have the spice of life if you're feeling it. Exactly. Um, in these times, it would be good to have a safety. You know, I don't, there is not much spice of life <laughs> that we can have right now. So I would love to figure that out. Maybe that's what I'll do with quarantine. I'll figure out what my favorite beer is. That's what <laughs> I start, getting, I start getting misspelled texts from you. And you're just like, I've been trying <laughs> beers all day long. And if it kills me, it kills me. There's, what it, you there's, know? Worse, there's worse plans for a day than just trying different beers. Right. I actually have uh, – so I'm going to shout out to my roommate, uh, Faridis. Um, I have something I'm going to show you in the camera here. Uh, so so as you guys know, me and Matt are recording uh, separately. So Matt is still in Iowa. Jealous of you, yeah. buddy. Always good. Yeah. But I'm Lots in New York. And uh, I went moved back to New York last week. Um, we usually both live in New York, but we are recording remotely. But we have this great uh, software, shout out to Squadcast, where we can also see each other, which is great. Uh, because sometimes the delay in audio is, is super awkward. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if he's going to say something. Are you t- I, 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 uh, uh, yeah. Um, but I'm going to show you here the drink that I'm drinking. It's called the Finnish Long Drink. And I'm going to describe it to you here. The unique taste of natural grapefruit and juniper berry flavors with gin. So 
It's really cool. I'm going to open it here and I'm going to give you my opinion because I was I was going to do it yesterday, obviously. But since I was just by myself, I drank a White Claw and talked about it. So that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good choice. Always a good choice. So cheers. I don't – this might be bad. I don't know. <laughs> I bet not. Oh, that's good. Wow. I had a bad relationship really with Jen for a while, but I'm back. I'm back okay with it. Right. Wow, that's really good. Yeah, just because the gin's very subtle, it's it, it makes it taste like a seltzer almost more than a gin. Like you can tell it's there. Nice. But the problem with gin is people overdo the gin and then it's like all you can taste. And gin just yeah. makes you want to retch. It's like uh, <laughs> it's not my favorite. All right. Well, Faradis, this was a good um this was a good recommendation. I also feel bad if she's listening. I, I, I say her name wrong all the time. And it's like, how dare I with a name like Yannick and Carnicel? Like, how dare I say someone's name wrong and not learn it? Uh, to be fair, everyone calls her Frad. So, like, that's easier. Um, but, like, also, ignorantly, I need to – it's Fardies. That's what it is. And I know I've been saying it wrong. So I'm saying it on the air now. It's Fardies. And she told me this yesterday. So there it is. And that's that. And I won't talk about it anymore. Yeah, I, I can uh, confidently say nobody has ever mispronounced Matt Smith. Matt Smith. Uh, they, they usually, usually they get that one down pretty pretty straightforwardly. What's your middle name? Philip. Phil- okay, there you go. So you got like, you got bing, bang, boom. You are the classic. Right. Classic, classic. White Irish German from the Midwest. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. All right. Well, let's just go right into the action here. Uh, lots of games happening over the weekend. Uh, some good, some not so good for some people involved in this podcast. <laughs> um, so let's just start off. Do you have a favorite game you watched this weekend? Do you have a favorite? Or, I mean, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about, I suppose. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My least favorite game of the weekend. Uh, my, my favorite one was, uh, was a little Serie A battle between Inter Milan and Roma. Uh Roma, I think, I think now Roma's chance of making the Champions League pretty pretty shot. They're 11 points down from Lazio uh, with four matches to go. But it was just a, a fun match between Inter and Roma. Um, Stefan, I'm not even I, – I wish I could get these Dutch names down. I'll have it down someday with the, the early 15th-minute goal to give Inter the lead. And then one of the great names in soccer, Leonardo Spinazzola, with the uh, – Stoppage time goal right before the halftime, one one and a half. Second half starts. Henrik Mkhitaryan, the old the old Manchester United guy, who I think honestly I found out he was on Roma when I watched that match. <laughs> there, are, there are so many players in the Serie A that I'm like, when did you get there? Right, exactly. Um, yeah. Like Chris, I, mean, I forget Chris Smalling is at Roma all the time. Like I yeah. usually he came on as a sub and I was like, oh right, you went to Roma. Right, 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 right. Especially like those two play like they played for United. Between between Roma and Inter, there was like basically a whole lineup of just ex United players, young and Sanchez and such. Uh so McIntyre got another one to give Roma the their lead, and then late in the game. As mentioned, another United player, uh, Lukaku, won themselves a penalty, buried it, and uh, it was just a nice 2-2 draw. Just one of those matches that was back and forth, you know, enter up first, Roma goes and grabs the lead. Um, lots of l- late goals in the halves, of course, um, and just fun soccer. Serie A's got the, 
they've got nice open play, nice attacking play. It's um, it's been fun to watch, and they've kind of the Serie A's kind of been down the last few years. Besides Juventus, um, and I think there's been there's been a nice resurgence recently, and hopefully we'll start seeing that in Europe as well. Um, but yeah, it was a good game, and and just kind of encapsulated what the the Serie A's been this year of um, a lot of a lot of parity. Um, even it doesn't really show so much in, in the tables, but in almost any match, it seems like any team can can win a point um, or get three. So fun game, good good play by both teams, and it was a uh, it was enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I agree. The Serie A, if not, I'm not saying that the teams from the Serie A are necessarily the best teams in Europe, um, because like you look at like who's going to eventually win. Juventus is eight points ahead with four games to go. Their team. Of course, they have Cristiano Ronaldo, Paulo Dybala um, playing better, you know, and they have that formidable defensive line, but they don't have a midfield. Like, their one midfielder that everyone talks about is, like, you know, Blaise Matuidi, who's only useful sometimes, and Adrian Rabio, who's a head case. Like, he doesn't know what he wants <laughs> to do half the time. And so they're really not that great, and the fact that they're up eight points kind of says something about that. But other than that... I think besides the Premier League, they have the most teams that can compete. Because let's say Premier League, you have obviously Liverpool, you have Man City, and then to an extent, you have Chelsea, Manchester United, uh, and and then one or two other teams, right? So that's like, let's say six teams in total. You know, in the, the Bundesliga in Germany, you have Bayern, you have Dortmund, you have Leipzig. Outside of that, very questionable. In La Liga, you have... Sevilla, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. Outside of that, very questionable. In Syria, and perhaps because I've been watching more, because that's the league that obviously has the most still to go. Uh, I mean, you've got obviously Juventus, but you have Lazio, Inter, you have Roma, you have Napoli, you have AC Milan, you have Atalanta, you have teams like Sassuolo who are still doing it. I mean, it's just so many teams that like can compete. And it shows, I mean, the fact that Atalanta is in the Champions League still, and we'll talk about that it shows that they are kind of regaining that competitiveness. And I love it. I mean, I've always loved all of those teams and it's good to see them, you know, coming from the ashes a little bit, especially AC Milan, who like was finishing mid table and didn't know what the heck they were doing. And right. same with Inter Milan, they've kind of had this influx of players. So it's funny good. with a team like AC Milan too. It's like with those, I mean, with the teams that have like always win or always on top, like you got to develop this like, not hatefulness, but maybe resentment towards them until they start doing bad. And then you're kind of like, well, it is more entertaining when they are at least like competitive. Like I don't need AC Milan to go win the Champions League, but like I don't want them finishing 12th in Serie A because they're enjoyable to watch and obviously a club with a lot of history and such. So it's weird how you're like can resent those winning teams until they really start (laughs) not doing well. And then you're kind of like, well, I'd like you to be at least decent. Right, exactly. That's how I felt about Arsenal until the surprise this this past weekend. I mean, I was like, oh man, Arsenal doesn't know what they're doing anymore. That's sad. Remember when they were, you know, top of the top. Um, My favorite game from the weekend, uh, surprisingly, but from U.S. soil in the MLS's back cup, uh, El Trafico happened this weekend. What a great uh, nickname. Which is just the best thing to come out of the MLS is the nickname El Trafico. Absolutely. And if you guys... If you guys don't know, it's between LAFC and LA Galaxy. So it's the two LA teams clashing against each other. 
Uh, and they are in the same group in the MLS's back cup. And it, it was interesting to see them play each other after the restart, of, of course, but also because there's no Ibrahimovic in LA Galaxy anymore. And Chicharito, who is on LA Galaxy, could, couldn't play in this game. And he's actually, <clears throat> you know, been ruled out for the rest of the tournament. So that sucks for them. But LAFC also don't have Carlos Vela, who scored like a billion goals since he's been there. Okay. So it was kind of like, who can, who can step it up? And LAFC is obviously the better team. But when they play LA Galaxy, it's just like they don't know what to do. Like LA Galaxy usually has their number. It's weird. Um, and, you know, that's how it was. The beginning was hotly contested. Latif Blessing scoring an own goal. And then uh, Rossi getting it back a penalty. So it was 1-1. Uh, then Christian Pavone for LA Galaxy scoring a penalty on the second attempt because, the oh, man, I hate that rule where goalies can't jump off their line. Otherwise, they have to take – I mean – that's rule. It's so hard to tell. I mean, I just like, he truly stuttered up a little bit and then he got to take it again and he saved the first one. I don't know. That's a whole nother thing. Um, and so it was, you know, kind of hotly contested back and forth. Rossi got a second goal before halftime. It was two, two. You thought, Oh wow, this is going to be a battle to the end. And then LAFC dominated in the second. I mean, truthfully, Rossi scored two more goals. He got a poker in this one. Uh, you had Bradley Wright Phillips coming from the grave and scoring like a curler around the corner, like Harry Kane style. <laughs> it was amazing. And then you had Mohamed El Munir coming in and like just belting one from the 18. It was great. And I, and honestly, it was great because LAFC is still the best team in the MLS, even without Carlos Vela. And the fact that they were able to, to do this to LA Galaxy just shows the rest of the league that. And it was really exciting to watch. And yeah, that was my favorite t- uh, game from the weekend. Uh, really exciting stuff. And I mean, you know, we can talk about this a little bit, but coronavirus has sucked for sports. But now it's like there's not a day without 18 games. There's yeah. tr- and there won't be a game. Like, you know, in August, you know, we have NBA going. We have NHL going. MLB starts this Friday. And then you have Champions League starting. And by the time September comes around, the leagues for next year start. So it's truthfully going to be, there's not going to be a second. Like we'll probably lose college sports, which will suck, but everything else is going to just stay really on top. And it's going to be exciting, I think. Hopefully it'll just lead to uh, everyone becoming soccer fans, which they should be anyway. Yeah, you should be anyway. (laughs) I mean, you really, you really, you really should be anyway. You're missing out. You're missing out. Um, all right, and this is something I think uh, would be cool to do every week. Maybe we throw it out. I don't know. It's always a first attempt. But we're going to have a question of the day, and I'll come up with it this time. And the question I posed to Matt is, who do you think the best goalkeeper currently playing is? And I know you're biased for David De Gea. I get it. But could you please pick uh, any other? Sunday? <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I said David De Gea after – that performance that everyone should stop with my credibility is out the window. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. So yeah. Who do you think it is then? Who do you think the best goalkeeper playing right now is? I mean, gosh, I wish I could say De Gea, but uh, <laughs> maybe a few years ago. Um, you know, I always, I always think goalkeepers, it's a, like, it's a fun topic to have because like a lot of times, even the best goalkeepers aren't going to get that much like, Action, like, I mean, if you're on a really good team, then, like, how many shots are you going to have to defend? Uh, so, like, sometimes I'm like, well, maybe it's – maybe they're a better goalkeeper is is in the, like, lower rungs. Um, 
like okay. a guy like Michael for for Leicester City, I think he probably gets tested more than like someone like Becker or Ederson would in the Premier League. Um, I'm going to go Jan Oblak for Atletico. Okay, um, kind of a down year for him uh, in, in retrospect of what he's done. It's the first year at Atletico that he didn't have over 50 percent uh, clean sheets in in the matches that he started. Um, but I mean, when that's the first year you've done that, and other years you're 60 percent or higher. I think you're you're doing pretty well. Um, again, this year he didn't do it. Um, I think he had 17 clean sheets within within the league uh, and about a 77 percent save percentage. But the two years previously had over 20 clean sheets, um, had uh, over 82 percent save percentage, um, and the guy's only 26 years old. Like he's he's I young. can't believe that. It, I feel like he's been around for a decade. Right? Like I was like he's got to be at least like 30 ish, right? So, I mean, he's just entering his prime. Um, I think, you know, Courtois had some get back, had to like get himself in Real, and, and he's doing better there. Of course, Newar uh, over there in Bayern. Um, I even think like a guy like Kaylor Navas is still extremely good. Like, I mean, he's been killing it for PSG. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to go Yano Block, and, and I really think he's just kind of, he's just hitting his stride. I think in a couple years, um, yeah, he's, he's going to be a guy that we'll see how long he stays at, at, at Atletico. I'm sure lots of teams will be calling, um, as have been done before with, uh, goalkeepers there. Um, our, our guy between the, uh, the sticks and, and Manchester, of course, started out in, at Atletico Madrid. So, um, I hope he stays there and, um, yeah, that's my answer. Mr. Jan Oblak. I love that. Yeah. And, uh, it, I, I agree. It's kind of hard to say, you know, keepers who are on really good teams. Like, of course, Ederson's a great keeper. And of course, Allison's a great keeper. But like how much, you know, how much have they actually had to do this season? And they've made mistakes even when they have had to do things. So that's kind of goes against them as well. And you have like the great keepers of the past kind of aging out now, you know, like Buffon's still making saves left and right when he needs to. And it's amazing that he's still, I mean, the guy was was sent away to die in a pasture in Paris and still was good enough to come back to Juventus and start half the time. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's nuts. Um, <laughs> when, I started, when I started watching soccer, it was the 2006 World Cup. And, like, that was supposed to be his prime, and, and, and he was. I mean, the guy was incredible. But, like, 14 years later, and he's, he's still doing it. He's, yeah, it's ridiculous. He was playing in 98. He was playing in 98. He was playing in a year where Y2K was still like, I don't know, maybe – I don't know. <laughs> like, truth wiped out. We might. We still we might. survived so many apocalypses. 2012. <laughs> right now. Yeah. He's yeah, we all We all may perish, but no matter what happens after coronavirus, Juan Luigi Buffon will still be goalkeeping somewhere. Somewhere. For some team, you know, in the desert as they fight for survival. Uh Mad, Mad Max, but Buffon's so just like, I'm just going to keep being a goalkeeper, guys. So yeah, there's got to be some... I'll be over know, here. Yeah, I, that's what I'm good at. I don't know what else to tell you guys. Um, yeah, so there are a lot of good goalkeepers. I think a lot of young keepers coming up. I don't know if I'm willing to call them best keepers yet. I'm going to stick with a little bias here. And just because I'm really proud of him with how he's kind of come back after uh, the last couple of seasons with his foot injury where people were like, maybe he's done. Um, Manuel Neuer, just 
great play this season. And, and for many different reasons, he kept 20 clean sheets, uh, which was all obviously good. Um, but also he just, he just gives Bayern an extra dimension where they almost don't need to worry about defense in a, like a certain aspect of the game. Like, they have, obviously, David Alaba in the back who can run a little bit. They now have um, the young Canadian guy, Alfonso Davies, on the left who can track back the winger. And same thing with uh, uh, with Kimmich who can come back and help. And Boateng, obviously, is the big body. But, man, any kind of breakaway, Neuer is on it. He is the true sweeper keeper. I don't think we'll see another person like him for a couple years after he's done. And yeah, I mean, Bayern's on pace to contest the treble, even through coronavirus and even through like being behind for most of the season in the title race. We, we won with two games to go somehow. And that's because he also showed up in big games, right? Like Leverkusen and Dortmund, the two games we played this season against the two biggest rivals, we did not win by that much, right? It's not like we went and scored five goals against Dortmund. We scored one. And there was a couple really important saves that Neuer made when he had to. And I think that's kind of the mark of a good goalkeeper who plays for a good team is you don't have to do a lot of work, but when the work comes, you command your area, you make the saves you need to. And apart from a lot of goalkeepers, I very, very rarely say Manuel Neuer's made a mistake. A lot of times, and it will happen, where he comes out too early and like he does something stupid. And like one, one point in particular in the Dave Bapokal final – he like came out and someone shot the ball in between his legs from outside the 18, but luckily someone was on the line to clear it. So like, yes, he can, he does make dumb decisions sometimes, but like, unlike De Gea, unlike Kandanovic, unlike a lot of other great goalkeepers, I can't think of the last time that a goal was truly his fault. Like it's, it, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes and it's, it's a testament to him. And I just think he is the best goalkeeper playing right now. Do you think, uh, I mean, I, I'm, Again, he'll still be the German keeper for Euros next year, even. Do you think there's there's a chance he's still German keeper 2022 in Cutter? I think he is. I, th- I I do think he is. He's, you know, he's still early 30s and he's not. I thought that if there was a chance of him leaving, it would be this year because I'm uh, not leaving, but declining, I guess I would say. Right. Because he's post foot surgery and, and foot surgery for keepers, you have to be on your feet. You have to be able to put pressure on them. But he just showed that he's he's recovered from it. So I, you know, Ter Stegen is good, but he's not done anything to show that he, he is hasn't quite, Yeah, he hasn't quite made the leap, I think, at least I was expecting. Obviously, he's not bad, but, like, I think there was a time, you know, it was like Ter Stegen, you're like, all right, now he's about to, he's about to be, like, one of the best. And certainly not bad, but, yeah. Right, and Bern Leno playing in Arsenal has made so many mistakes and hasn't grown either. Ron Robert Zeeler playing in the second division. His team almost got relegated to the third. I mean, you know, there's just not a lot of options out there. We have a guy from Schalke, like where Neuer came from, Alexander Nubel, who will eventually be that Neuer role. But I think he's got one more World Cup and probably two more Euros in him, honestly. He's gonna, he's the kind of player that will play until he can't anymore. Um, so yeah, I can see him playing 36. So like four, four more years maybe, but we'll see, you know, all these keepers playing until they're fucking 80 years old. It's hard to, you're getting older and older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, truly. It's going to be an old man's league soon. Um, all right. So let's get into the main meat, uh, or, you know, tofu, if you're vegetarian of our, of our <laughs> podcast, I just want to be inclusive to everybody. Oh, really? Yeah. That's very thoughtful of you. 
Thank you. I just, I, you know, I even, I, meta- even metaphorically, we want everyone to feel included. Right. Like I understand me saying, let's get into the meat of it. I get it. You know, I, I really get it. I don't want to discriminate. Anyway, let's get into it though. Uh, we've got a lot coming up for you. Got a shocking FA Cup final on both sides. The team's coming into it. Uh, Tiger returned to golf uh, this past week. How did he do? Did he win? Spoiler alert, he did not. And uh, round two of Figueredo versus Benavides, obviously for the vacated flyweight title. So let's go, Matthew, to the headlines. And why don't you start us off with what I am sure is your favorite topic of the podcast the mm. FA Cup semifinal results. It was on Saturday, and Saturday I was in a great mood. We'll we'll start with with the with the Sunday match because we've already mentioned it. Of course, my uh, my Manchester United coming in against Chelsea. Uh, I mean, I I think the biggest thing that can be said, of course, Chelsea won three to one. We'll get that get that off the uh, uh, from the start. Um, but I think the biggest thing that can be said was. I'm I'm gonna hope that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was planning and playing and playing that game with the thought that he he is more concerned with the Premier League, um, and and that's just my hope right now because the starting lineup that he put out there was uninspired, um, not not the type of of lineup. I understand you have to use your whole bench. You can't use the same eleven players over and over and over again. That's what makes being a, a good soccer team and, and a good soccer manager, you know, tough um, because you don't just get to put out the same best 11 all the time. Um, but that, that 11 he put out there, there was nobody that was really going to attack. There was people in the back, like a guy like Bai who were just are not on the top of their game. Um, I even thought it was a little too big of a, a spot for Danny Williams to be in. And in soccer, if you get off on the wrong foot, it's tough to, uh, to change the mentality that you're playing with, uh, how you're playing. Um, and even though Chelsea wasn't dominating, really, they they were because Man U was, was non-existent. Of course, a, a gaffe by De Gea early, or late in the, in the first half gave Giroud a, a goal that probably should have been stopped. And then the first minute of the second half, there's a horrible ball by Danny Williams. Lindelof and Maguire don't come pick up Mason Mount. And, and then De Gea lets that one through. I mean, in, Mistakes by three different defenders and our goalkeeper. I mean, you can put it all on De Gea, but three different guys should have. You know, Williams gave him the ball. That shouldn't have happened. And Lindelof and Maguire, who is supposedly or not supposedly is the most expensive defender in the world, do do nothing. Um, and and after that, it was done. We if we started the game uninspired after that second game, that second goal, it was they they were a shell of a team. Um, there was no changes that could be made. Um, and, and honestly, I, I blame it a lot on, of course, bad mistakes by De Gea, but that, that starting 11 was just bad. Um, and for an FA Cup semifinal, that's not really – those are the games you, you, you expect to, to be going for it. Um, like I said, the only, the only consolation I guess can give is that he's thinking more – to get these next two wins in the Premier League and, and make sure there's there's no chance that we don't make Europe. But um, still disappointing to not see a more competitive team go out there. Um, and and the third goal was an own goal by Maguire. So might, <laughs> as well, might as well pile on Harry a little bit more. Um, 
been I understand it's like first season you gotta it, it takes time for players to adjust and such but it hasn't been uh the most oh and so I guess the another time to use inspiring by uh first season by Maguire after that that big purchase so I'm hoping he can turn around but but not his best game as for Saturday, uh, another matchup between a London team and a and a Manchester team. Even City looked weird. It was it was a two zero win against uh, for Arsenal against Manchester City. Um, City just didn't look themselves. They weren't their their same kind of attacking selves. Um, not their worst lineup either. But um, Arsenal, they they kind of elevate their play whenever they're in the FA Cup. They they for some reason like no matter what Arsenal's doing. In the Premier League, in, in any other competition, whatever's going on in their season, when it's FA Cup time, they kind of find a different gear. Um, certainly that was true for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He showed kind of a world-class striker that he can be. Um, right. Just a great touch on that first um, cross from Nicolas Pepe. Uh, and then a great run and just kind of a cool fit. He probably should have had a third one even. Um, but he, he was on. If Arsenal's midfield and defense can become – half of what that attacking offense is, then then they'll start competing at the top of the Premier League again because that attack with Aubameyang, with Lacazette, with Pepe, uh, you know, they've they've got the the, the skill players there to compete with anyone. But the midfield can't do much. The defense can't stop anybody. Um, so they certainly still have lots of holes, but it's it's almost kind of upsetting when you see a guy like Aubameyang and how well he's playing and how much he does for them when the rest of the team drops it. Um, but didn't happen that day. They were able to win 2-0 over City. Um, and so it's going to be a, a London final between the Gunners and, and the Blues of Chelsea. Yeah, and that's something not everyone saw coming, especially with Chelsea's results before the Manchester United clash and Man City you know, being so high up in third, I mean in second, and uh, Arsenal underperforming. So an interesting FA Cup final to come. Uh, I'm going to – VR situation over to the U.S., but still say in the soccer world. Uh, the MLS Cup obviously has gone much farther than I thought I would. I, we talked a couple weeks ago. I think I thought I said that it was not going to get finished. Uh, but it's actually been trudging forward pretty uh, securely and a lot of games going on. I'm not going to cover every single game. I'm just going to kind of run you guys through what the groups look like at the end of the group two games, uh, the stage two games. Uh, in Group A, you've got Orlando City and Philly Union tied at the top with seven points. Orlando City finishes first on goal difference, Philly Union in second. And our team, NYCFC, did get a win on the final day. So they are in third place. They do have a chance for one of those third place places. We'll see if they can get there. But let's be honest, they have not played up to par and do not deserve to be in any playoffs. For real. Uh, um, for real. Um, in Group B... You have a surprising leader, the San Jose Earthquakes, and they're always decent, obviously, but they are in first. Uh, Seattle Sounders finished in second. Jordan Morris, I think, if you're not starting him in the U.S. national team, I mean, you should have seen him in this game, in this last game. He was on fire. He was energetic. He was making plays. He was assisting. He was battling. He was scoring. I mean, it's just for the first 30 minutes, there was only Jordan Morris, and I just think that's the kind of player you need to revitalize the U.S. national team. But the, more importantly, Chris Wondolowski cannot stop scoring. The man is 80 years old and he's <laughs> coming off the bench and scoring. 
He scored twice already as a substitute, maybe even three times. And you know how many goals he has? He has 161 goals. He has 161 goals in the MLS, my friend. And that is just crazy to me that he can still bring it like that. It's just amazing. And I wish we could have gotten just one in that World Cup match, but uh, you know, uh, you know, it's, we're celebrating. We're, we're celebrating Wando right now. We're not. We're not living yeah. in the past. We can't live in the past. Okay, the past doesn't exist. Coronavirus took that from us, so we only live in the present now. Um, Group C is pretty tight, and I watched the game this morning uh, between the Revolution and the Toronto, uh, who were at the top of Group C, and they tied. So they're both tied at five. DC United, it, with a two uh, with a two goal win uh, tonight, they can kind of already overtake both those teams. So it's going to be really interesting. Uh, but yeah, Group C is tight between the Revolution, Toronto, and DC United. <clears throat> Group D is a three-way race as well. You got Real Salt Lake. And, uh, Minnesota United, Sporting Kansas City, all really good. The other team is the Colorado Rapids with zero points. And they were pretty promising at the beginning of the season before the, every, the stoppages. So that's really surprising. But, yes, Group D still to have their third game. And it's between those three teams for the top two. Uh, Group E is led by another great team in the MLS. I think the second press team probably. Uh, or maybe the third if you count the Timbers. But Group E is led by the Columbus Crew. Uh, they've got six goals in two games, none conceded. Um, you got Red Bulls and FC Cincy competing for that second spot in front of a really disappointing Atlanta United side. Uh, Josef Martinez-less and Atlanta United, which has proven to be a downfall for them. Uh, they're obviously very young, but they, they do have some work to do. Uh, and then in Group F, you do have the Timbers in first over LAFC, LAFC is going to overtake them if they keep playing the way that they are. Like I said, best team for me in the MLS and showed that against LA Galaxy. And the Houston Dynamo is in third, uh, but are much better than that. Uh, they just missed their chances a little bit. And they could sneak in with a win against LA Galaxy in the final group if LAFC don't grab a point against the Timbers. Uh, but, you know, all of this placement is kind of, uh, I want to say, irrelevant because... You have four of the six place of the six third place teams still progressing, so it's really just about seeding. And with the way that this cup is gone, and everybody's kind of off their game, no matter how good they're playing, I really don't think that matters. So really, I you know a lot of third place teams are going to qualify, and you could see one of those third place teams winning it all. So that's what's exciting, and that's how the MLS Cup is going right now. I have I have a, a love hate relationship with that with that like format. Like obviously the Euros does it too, because like. I do like it because it, I mean, I, the knockout round games are always more exciting than group stage games. Like they just are like, you're, yeah. you're always in for your life in a knockout rank game. So like having more teams in it and having teams that are like, could make a run. Like, I think even like Wales might've finished third in their group when they made that run in the last Euros. Um, they did. They did. And uh, so like, I like that part of it, but then also it's kind of like you say, where it's like a team can kind of sneak in that like, probably doesn't deserve to be there but so it's a it's a love-hate relationship i have with it i think i think for this you have to do it because like i said i mean knockout round games are just they're more exciting they just are they are they are they are so we'll uh actually i was gonna say we'll stay in the united states but that's not accurate at all we're going, <laughs> we're going all the way to abu dhabi um which uh Lots of fights that have been happening. Uh, of course, Yannick, you already mentioned the Figueredo, Figueredo 
and ben- Benavidez fight. Gosh, I love UFC. Um, <laughs> I'm going to kick it back just a little bit, uh, hop in the time machine and just kind of go over what happened at UFC 251, uh, the last main event that occurred. Um, of course, the two fights of the night of the main card that, that weren't championship fights, Amanda Rebos destroyed Paige Van Zandt, as was expected, got an armbar submission in the, the first round. It was very quick um, and it kind of went as, as everyone thought it would go. The next fight, of course, one of my favorite fighters, Thug Rose, with a rematch against Jessica Andrade. Rose was able to get the win with a split decision, um, and she's moved up now as the number one contender in the strawweight division and, and hope is hoping for a title fight uh, with Zhang, which I think would be awesome. It was nice to see. Rose has kind of been up and down, and, and that fight against Andrade, she, she looked back to her, her top self. Um, the first championship fight of, of the night and the first – Championship belt that Henry Cejudo <laughs> vacated with his quote unquote retirement. Yeah, uh, right. Air quotes. Um, Peter Yawn beat Jose Aldo with a fifth round TKO. Probably should have been shot, fight. Probably should have been called a little uh, earlier. Um, both me and my brother were watching it and did was was not impressed by the ref letting it keep on going. I thought Aldo stopped defending himself. Um, maybe even like a minute before they called it. Um, it was a good fight up until the fifth round. It was definitely Peter Yan's fight. Um, so he is now the bantamweight champion, uh, his first crown in his UFC career. And it'll be exciting to kind of see who he gets in his first title defense. Um, obviously, it's different when you go from the hunter to the hunted. Fourth fight of the night and uh, one of the most controversial fights. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky beat Max Holloway again to retain the featherweight title. Uh, and what was, as I mentioned, a very controversial split decision. Uh, personally, I thought Halloway won. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was close. Uh, there seemed to be a lot of people that thought it was like a huge travesty. Volkanovski won. While I didn't think he won, I didn't think it was like that much of a gaffe. But even Dana White said in his presser after the fight that uh, he thought uh, Holloway won. Um, the question now is, will there possibly be a third fight that you know usually doesn't happen when? the fighter wins the first two, you know, you don't really see that the person get a third opportunity. I'm hoping Holloway does because, uh, you know, I just, as I said, I didn't think it was a, a great decision by the refs. Um, right. but Volkanovsky probably should, should have a fight against someone else before, before fighting Holloway again. And I would love to see Zabet Magomed Sharapov get his, uh, his title shot. Another guy who, uh, fights out of Kazakhstan, like, um, Khabib um and just when you look at Zabit you're like you don't look like a world-class athlete and then you see him fight and you're just like you're a world-class athlete dude like you're terrifying um and then of course the main event of that night Kamaru Usman beat Jorge Masvidal in what was really a dominating unanimous decision Usman used his strength and his wrestling to just kind of negate Masvidal's ability to brawl and and throw those punches um Masvidal did what he could but I mean, Usman was just too good of a wrestler. Um, I kind of that's something I love about the UFC is is and mixed martial arts is you can be so so good at a certain thing, um, but if your opponent is able to negate that, then then you're shot. You know, you you've got no chance. So I know Masvidal will be itching to try to get another title fight, but um, after watching that one, he he's not in the same class as Usman, and I think Usman's got. Got a stranglehold over the welterweight division, um, but we'll see who who gets to go up against him next. Um, 
A midweek fight, really the only one I want to touch on was was another nice performance by Calvin Cater. He had a unanimous decision over Dan Igg, um, really a dominant five rounds for Cater. He keeps kind of proving himself in the featherweight division. Of course, he had a recent loss against Zabit, um, so still has some some climbing to do and, and isn't quite a, a top contender yet, but he's a guy who's, who's getting better in each fight. Um, and then finally, the uh, the championship fight of this last weekend for the flyweight championship, Figueredo. 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 Thank you. I knew I was going to keep butchering it. Um, a rematch with Benavidez. Of course, the first time they fought, uh, Figueredo didn't make weight. There was also kind of some controversy over a possible uh, headbutt, which looked inadvertent to me. But uh, this time, Figueredo dominated. Uh, Benavidez was never in the fight. It was a rear naked choke in the first round, but Benavidez was getting hit the entire first round. I mean, it, it, it wasn't even close. It was dominating the whole the whole four four minutes and forty eight seconds that it went. Figueredo was was the dominant fighter, and rightfully now is the uh, flyweight champion. So that is the uh, what's going on and what's been happening in the UFC, and and now we're just uh, well just under a month away from Cormier Miocic. Number three, which I cannot wait for. Very excited for that. And I agree. I think Masvidal's definitely been exposed as a pretender rather than a contender. I I definitely think that this fight exposed that, you know? And Usman wanted to go out there and say, I'm a real fighter, and I'm actually consistent, and it's my title. And I'm not going to let some guy who overhypes himself come in and take it. And he proved that. And I just don't know where Masvidal goes from here, you know? I think... Him saying that he would take a rematch over Usman uh, against Usman over a match with Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor is stupid because you know what Conor McGregor is probably more his speed. Yeah, they're both, they're both overhyped. They're both more name than they are fight, and I think that's where he should put his money. They can have a personality battle. They can you know duke it out, and that'll be fun for us to watch. I don't want to watch Masvidal against Usman again. Usman killed him. He destroyed. It, was, it was not close at all. But it I was that too because like. Of course, you're gonna rather take the championship fight. Like course, we yeah. get, we get that, Masvidal. But you you got to go earn it again. You know, I mean, it's not like it was that close of a fight, and we're all like, oh, I wonder what would happen if they did it again. I think we all know what would happen if they did it again. Usman would slap him around. Yeah, like yeah. unless you're changing how you fight and developing some better skills, then Usman's gonna wrestle you for five rounds, and you're not gonna be able to do anything. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I'm so excited for that Cormier-Miocic fight. It's going to be great. The trilogy that we all need in these times where movies don't exist. So (laughs) I agree. Um, I'm going to move us back to the States, but obviously a much less contact sport. Golf happened this last week. Wouldn't it be fun, though, if they like battled it out in between the, the holes? Dude, if fighting was a part like hockey, if fighting was a part of golf, Bryson DeChambeau would kill some people. Yeah. Also, you know, Brooks Kepka would also. I was going to say, Kepka too. <laughs> they would destroy people. They oh. would destroy people. Um, yeah, so the Memorial Tournament happened this last week, and, uh, you know, a lot of things happened at this tournament. Obviously, Tiger Woods returning, and I'll talk about that in a sec. But. Um, yeah, just a lot going on that was surprising and surprisingly negative, honestly, if one has to talk about it. Um, 
you had some of the best golfers finishing very, very over par. I mean, you had Brooks Kepka, we just talked about finishing at plus 12, you know, Zach Johnson plus 10, Phil Mickelson plus nine, Morikawa, who's an up and comer, who's been doing well, obviously um, was in that uh, final, um, you know, playoff in the last tournament plus eight. And uh, McElroy, who's number one up until this tournament, plus four, Jordan Spieth plus one, better. Um, Tiger Woods, one of those people who did not finish very well at this tournament. He finished at plus six. He struggled to make the cut all week. Uh, he had a good long game, which is, you know, it is something to look at. I will say, like, he did look good in long game. He did look like, you know what, maybe this is something to build on. Uh, his short game was off. His short game was really off. So that's definitely a uh, a point of contention there. He's deciding when to return to golf next. You know, maybe he comes back this week. I just don't think so. I think he's probably going to want to take some lessons from this last uh, tournament. You know, he had good long game, bad short game, just try to work on what he needs to, and then come back for the PGA Championships. I just don't think he would ever need to go. You know, he's he's older and he's injury prone. Just go for the important things and hope that you finish well, you know? I think that's just what he has to do. Um, but yeah, let's talk about like the top of the tournament rather than the people who did bad. Um, Mackenzie Hughes finished at minus three. Jason Day finished at minus four. Tony Fino has done well at multiple tournaments at minus two. Um, so everything's good there. But the winner of the weekend, John Rahm. I mean, he dominated this tournament. He wins the tournament and the first place ranking from Roy McElroy that he had held since February. Um, with a three-stroke lead over the second place. I mean, truthfully, he was killing it the entire weekend. Um, and he's such a humble guy. He was talking about how he was just like, I, it just kept happening. Everything was good. And I was like, okay, I don't feel like I'm doing well, but like it just keeps happening for me. Uh, so we love John Rom for that. Uh, but yeah, he's number one. He deserves it. Uh, finished really well in this tournament. Finished number one. And on top of that, uh, Ryan Palmer, who finished second, and Mackenzie Hughes, who finished, uh, I believe it was three under par. They both earned U.S. Open spots, so they both kind of got a win out of this tournament as well. Um, but yeah, Tiger had a rough return uh, to the green in the Memorial Tournament, and John Rahm took all of the plaudits. John Rahm is good. John Rahm is good. I also love the, the like... The story of that John Rom like learned English listening to Jay Z music. So I was like, <laughs> I like you're like college golf. Like there were there weren't any other like tools that you could have used. I mean, I think it's amazing, but like you didn't want to try Duolingo or like Rosetta Stone. It's like now nah, I'll just I'll just listen to Jay Z. Yeah, Rosetta Stone probably would have been the thing, but he's like, nah, this is the real English. And Whatever like, works for you, right? Yeah, that's Everybody. actually that's probably true because like Rosetta Stone's only going to teach you like the rules and stuff, and then people will start using slang, and you'll be like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." While Jay Z is 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 going to give you the 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 uncut, the real look into the English language, right? And also like a lot of culture references that you can get in there. You can throw in when sure. you need to. I think it was that's, a good that's, idea. That's more entertaining. Like if you were if you were ever like trying to teach me anything, you're like. So either you can look at this book and stuff, or Jay-Z is going to rap about it. I'd be like, I'm Jay-Z every time. 
Yeah, Jason, Jason, he's going to tell me about the Declaration of Independence. Sorry, Lin Manuel. Um, I'd rather listen to Jay Z. <laughs> sorry, Lin Manuel. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Have your Tony. Give me some Jay Z. <laughs> oh boy, we are going to make some people mad with that one. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> uh, I'm going to move over to the Serie A now. We talked about a little bit how exciting it is, but let me tell you. What happened this weekend that honestly made it a little less exciting. So we had two big games. Atalanta against Hellas Verona, who are kind of in that Europa League fight. And Inter Milan against Roma, which you talked about already. Both of those games turned out in favor of Juventus. Atalanta grabbing a 2-2 tie with Hellas. Inter Milan grabbing a 2-2 tie with Roma. And just yesterday, uh, Juventus winning against Lazio, who were the other contender in that top four. So all the contenders basically not grabbing points. Juventus grabbing three. They're eight points ahead with four games to go. And they play lower league teams, except for the very last day when they will probably already be Scudetto champions. They basically have it in the bag unless something really terrible happens, which is surprising because they have not played up to the standard that I think they can. Um, but it's also scary that they still finish first and have not played up to the standard that they can. So we'll see. They have the Champions League to prove that they can do more. Um, so you have Inter Milan, Atalanta, Lazio fighting for placement uh, in terms of the Champions League spots. But they have the, the other three Champions League spots, Italy getting four this year. Um, so they're just kind of jockeying for position at this point. Um, after that, you kind of have a little more of an interesting battle going on. Roma, Napoli, AC Milan are all eight points clear of the other teams in terms of having those Europa League places under lock. Um, But between them, it's really hard because you have like the direct Europa League qualification spot and the, you know, indirect one where you have to go through qualification. And the qualification is always weird. Like you play some really good team from Russia or some really good Belgian side that just beats you over two. It's weird. So I don't think any team wants to go through that. Uh, Roma, two points ahead of Napoli and AC Milan right now in that direct spot. Um, But, you know, it's going to be interesting because Roma play Juventus, AC Milan play Atalanta, Napoli play Inter and Lazio. So there's a lot of good games in these last four that they could drop points and see some switching of position there. But it's going to be time will tell. Um, In terms of the bottom of the table... Uh, Spal and Brescia played each other this weekend, but they're both relegated. It was just who finishes bottom. And I believe it was, if I'm correct, Brescia that lost to Spal. And then they will finish bottom. But, you know, I don't want to hate on... Ah, it was Brescia that won against Spal. So Spal will be at the bottom. See, that's why I looked. I didn't want to be mean. Um, (laughs) So they both get relegated, but, you know... Brescia, at least, is not the last, last place, which is something, I suppose. Uh, the final relegation spot, still very much up for grabs after this weekend. Uh, it's basically between Lecce and Genoa, maybe Udinese, maybe if they drop all their points, Torino. Um, but Lecce is four points behind Genoa, so that's kind of like the two that are going for that spot. And a lot of good games still to go. Lecce and Udinese play each other. Genoa play Inter, Sassuolo, and Hellas. So those are three great teams that they could lose against all three of them. And a lot can happen. And we're excited. Yeah, it's uh, it's always fun to like. I mean, I think when you like first get into soccer, you're always like you're trying to just concern about like who wins the league. Um, but then like the more you start watching it, like those those races for the Champions League get fun. The, the races for the Europa League, the race for like staying afloat in the top league, like those right. 
those start just like being more fun. And and then part of that is just, you know, you, you knowing the landscape of the game more. Um, but like you, it makes the season just so much more enjoyable, especially like a season, like the premier league, which I'm uh, about to pivot on over this year. Like we knew Liverpool had won the league forever ago, but it's, extremely exciting to watch right now mostly because of that that race for the champions league exactly Um, like every game matters and that's what makes soccer fun yeah for sure so as mentioned of course it's in the past now liverpool albeit struggling um they've only gotten 11 points since we restarted uh soccer which is like crazy uh for a team who was just blowing everybody out of the water doing whatever they wanted in the Premier League this year, um, they've they haven't looked their their best, but I think certainly part of that is just they they finally broke the the you know decade long kind of uh, drought of of winning the league. That I think once they won it, it was such a weight, such a accomplishment that it, it clearly is tough for these guys to to kind of refocus in and be like, all right, let's go keep on winning games. Um, which I'm sure Liverpool fans and and these players may kick themselves for in in a few years time. They're Obviously, they can't beat the the 102 points that has been set by City and Chelsea in previous seasons. And when we restarted, it looked like that that was really the only question, not if they were going to win the league, but if they could they could break that record. Um, now, the best they can do is 99. Still pretty darn good. Um, <laughs> I think they'll take it. But the real the real uh, drama in the Premier League is is for that last Champions League spot. Yes, uh, it is. Chelsea in third. Leicester in fourth, and of course, Man United in fifth. Um, Chelsea's got 63 points, 15 plus 15 the goal differential. Leicester and Man United both with 62 points, both with 28 uh, plus in the goal differential. But Leicester has a game in hand. Uh, Leicester got a- another poor performance from them in uh, a 3-0 defeat to Tottenham on, uh, on Sunday. Um, so... That, that fourth spot is, is right for the taking for Man U. They play West Ham tomorrow. Um, Chelsea, meanwhile, goes to Liverpool, which, as I said, you know, a month ago we would have said, oh, that's that's probably going to be a loss for Chelsea. Now, who knows? Um, I, I think it's it's really anyone's game. Um, but, all, but all three of these teams are, are in the race to get the, uh, the spot, and they're all in the race to, to lose it. Um, Man U, after we play West Ham – we get Leicester City, um, so that really could be a winner takes all. But if we beat West Ham and Leicester City beats us and Chelsea only gets one point from their next two games, which, as I said, are Liverpool, and then they end the season with Wolves, then Chelsea will miss out on the Champions League. So Chelsea even being up there in third, they're far from uh, from secure in their spot in, in Europe, especially when you end against Liverpool and Wolves. I mean – Wolves has been as good as almost anybody in the Premier League this year. Um, so it's going to be a stressful next week. Um, as I said, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, that lineup better have been to secure. I mean, he better be resting players in the fact that we're going to go get six points in these next two matches because um, there's going to be a lot of drama. This Saturday, the final day uh, of play, is going to be a ton of fun uh, decision day. And um, – Man, I'm 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 hoping United is. <laughs> if this week we get spanked in the semis of the FA Cup and then can't get the, one of the last spots of Champions League, it's going to be a tough week. Uh, I guess all my eggs will be in the Europa League basket. Um, oh, which, boy. 
Meanwhile, for that, of course, whoever misses out between Chelsea, Leicester, and Man U will go to the Europa League. Wolves uh, and Tottenham. And, and I guess Arsenal are really in play for that, that last Europa League spot. Of course, Arsenal can secure their Europa League spot with a win in the FA Cup final. Um, and then the seventh-place team in Premier League will unfortunately just be shit out of luck. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be uh, – Arsenal's got a pretty easy finish. Tottenham goes to Crystal Palace. Of course, Wolves playing Chelsea. I mean, Wolves has stuff to play for, too, against Chelsea. It's not going to be yeah. like yeah. Chelsea's the only one. I mean, Wolves wants to make the Europa League. Of course – They'll be disappointed they didn't make the Champions League. But for a team like Wolves to make a European competition two consecutive seasons, that's that's no joke. That's that's an impressive accomplishment um, for a team like that. And uh, they're going to be wanting to to make sure this this good season they've had doesn't go um, unrewarded. So Saturday's going to be a blast. Tomorrow should be a, an exciting day of, of some Premier League drama as well. And uh, we'll keep you updated on who is going where into the next season. Right, exactly, and uh, I, I'm actually going to be doing a so I'm going to call it a solo sode, you know, like a solo episode. That's what I'm going to call it this Friday, um, because Matt is going to be uh, living his best life at the lake. Uh, so we will wait to give you the Premier League results until the following Monday, and I think, you know, if it ends up turning out for the worst we're going to have an episode dedicated to the most disappointing times in both of our sports lives <laughs> that is going to be one of the worst weeks of my life. you know my teams just they just shouldn't make the semifinals of any competition this year the packers just disappointing against the niners now man you against if, if the nets somehow make the eastern conference finals i'm just going to assume they're going to lose four straight games right. But, but on the same card, if the Nets somehow make the Eastern Conference Finals, I'll probably be kind of pumped because they have none of their normal lineup. Right. Yeah. 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 Unlucky teams, man. Unlucky teams happen all over the place. And the Premier League, exciting as ever. Some really exciting games coming up this weekend, and we shall see how it all shakes up. This is what we watch the league for 34 weeks in, 36 weeks in. We ready to go. Um, okay, so let's move to our, you know, I, I mentioned this on the first podcast, obviously, to those who listened, um, and we actually got a good amount of listens on it. So thank you for tuning in, friends and not friends, if you don't know us. Um, but yeah, we're going to move to our sports topic of the day, and we'll do our life topic afterwards. Um, but yeah, our topic of the day is just kind of, you know... The Champions League draw happened recently. Now, now obviously, it didn't happen this last week. It happened, I think, two weeks ago. But the Champions League has been very much affected by the COVID-19 outbreak. So I wanted our topic today to be, you know, what happened with the Champions League draw and who each of us think uh, is going to be the most likely to win I've asked Matt to pick a team that he's going to put $10 on. I wonder who Yannick will pick. I am not biased. I will, give you, <laughs> I will give you straight facts, and you will know that they are straight facts. But just to remind you, in case you don't know what happened with the uh, Champions League, the second legs of all the round of 16 matches that have not been played will still happen. So that whole away goal situation will still happen. Then from the quarterfinals on, instead of being two legs, it's just going to be a one-and-done knockout World Cup-style game. 
super exciting. Away goals don't matter. Home field advantage does not matter because there's no fans. It's going to be a slugfest no matter who it is, and I am excited to see these teams in Europe play. And here's how the bracket looks, though. You have um, the winner of Man City and Real Madrid. Uh, and just to remind you, um, Man City is currently leading Real Madrid 2-1, uh, and they have those two away goals at Madrid. So Man City very much has that game uh, you know, in their favor. Obviously, 2-1 to one is not a scoreline that Real Madrid can't overtake, but they do have the advantage there. And they will play the winner of Juventus and Lyon, Juventus, even though they're on track to beat the to win the Scudetto, have a zero to one disadvantage against Lyon from the first leg and did not score an away goal. So that is still in play to be problematic. Then you have Leipzig playing Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid obviously dispatching the Premier League champions and Champions League winners Liverpool in the round of sixteen, surprisingly. Uh, and Leipzig beating Tottenham, and so they will play each other. Then you have the winner of Barcelona and Napoli, who tied 1-1 in the first leg, so it's still to decide who goes there. Um, playing the winner of Bayern and Chelsea, Bayern beating Chelsea 3-0 in London. So basically that game is probably the most decided, the one still to be played. Uh, and they will play each other. And then Atalanta playing PSG. Atalanta surprisingly getting through to the quarterfinals. They beat Valencia. Valencia, not a good team this year, so not surprised that Atalanta beat them. Uh, and PSG, obviously the biggest Champions League chokers there are. They uh, beat Borussia Dortmund, who also had some problems this year. Now, what becomes interesting, right? Because you have Bayern, Chelsea, Barcelona, Napoli in one quarterfinal. Four great teams. Man City, Real Madrid, Juventus, Lyon. Another four great teams. And those are the teams that will then play each other in one of the semifinals. So on one side of the bracket, let me tell you. You have Bayern, Chelsea, Man City, Real Madrid, Juventus, Barcelona, Napoli, and Lyon. What? On the other side of the bracket, you have Atalanta, PSG, Leipzig, and Atletico Madrid. So there is a big-time advantage for being on one side of that bracket. And it's going to be really interesting to see who comes out, especially with these one-and-done quarterfinal games. So do you want to start? Do you want me to start? How do you want to do this? I, I want you to start. You want me to start? <laughs> you want me to start? Yeah. All right. So I've talked about the game still to be played. And I've talked about who has the easier matchups. So let's talk about who's hot. You know, who, 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 who's hot and who's not. You know, uh, you know, we're just, we're going high school style here. Who's hot and who's not. So Bayern, obviously, winning the German Bundesliga, you know, not losing since the restart. Winning the Dave Bapel call, grabbing the treble, uh, grabbing the double, the domestic double. They have not disappointed. They are hot. Real Madrid winning La Liga, being defensively the best Real Madrid team in a decade, I would say. Um, you know, they have some problems up front, and I think they have some problems in the middle. But they came out, you know, surging after the restart, beat Barcelona to the La Liga title, and they are hot. And Atalanta, I, we've talked about, also very hot. They can't stop scoring. They compete with every team they play with, and I think on a good day, they can beat anybody. Those are, I would say, the hot teams. You then have Barcelona, Juventus, and Manchester City, also classically very hot teams. They all finished, you know, first and second in their leagues. You know, they're a little inconsistent. You know, Man City losing to Arsenal, Barcelona choking a couple games in the end of La Liga to lose it to Real Madrid, and Juventus choking a couple games. They still win the Scudetto, but could have been by so much more if they could figure this stuff out. 
And then you have Atletico Madrid and Leipzig kind of needing a restart. Atletico Madrid not challenging for the title as people wanted them to. Uh, Leipzig not challenging for the title as people wanted them to. Lyon and PSG need a complete rebirth because League On got canceled. So they don't even, they haven't played in forever. So I don't, it, it, for me, it's very hard to see any of those teams winning. Um, so my favorites for the, th- for the league are the hot teams because I think that's what's going to matter most uh, in the end is who can have the hotter day and who has been more consistent. So Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Man City are my favorites for this tournament. Um, obviously Barcelona, Juventus, with Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi, they can always win. They can always win because of those two players. They could do anything. Um, But they're classics, but inconsistent is what I would say. And then, you know, in the Dark Horses side, I could say Atalanta, PSG, if they can, like, find their rhythm and, like, avoid choking. And, you know, since they don't play two games, maybe they avoid choking. You know, if they can win one game instead of having to go through two, maybe that helps them. Um... You know, coronavirus, like I said, PSG, Lyon having so much rest. Bayern and Leipzig will also have a lot of rest going in because Bundesliga ended early. Uh, I think both those teams will probably schedule friendlies. I know Bayern has one at the end of July against uh, against Marseille, uh, so they will do that. But you think of Bayern, right? Their first game does not actually matter. It's a 3-0 win against Chelsea going into a second leg. They can basically use that game to warm up. So I think they should be fine. Um Italian teams are gonna are the opposite. They'll be basically be playing into the Champions League because they still have four rounds of games to go, and it's still pretty competitive. Uh, so that's going to be interesting for them as well. Uh, and obviously, the one and done aspect of the tournament is so exciting, and I just don't know. I mean, I can't tell you who's going to win because no matter how good a team is, they can lose on any day, and that's what's going to matter: is do they win or do they lose on the day? Um, I think probably the most important players left in the tournament are. And, and, you know, it's so hard to pick. You know, I would say Robert Lewandowski for Bayern Munich, if he can find his scoring boots, you know, he's been a little inconsistent towards the end of the season. If he can find them again, then I think Bayern become very, very hard to beat, um, along with every other player that's on their team. And I think Messi and Ronaldo will still, are still the most important players. Messi, in one of his worst seasons, still grabbed the Pachichi and still broke an assist leader's record across Europe. And, like... Ronaldo, we you know has we've talked about this. Matt has completely transformed who he is as a player, and is you know taking that Juventus teams to levels that they might not go without him. And I think if they can you know bring it to the Champions League, that Juventus and Barcelona, even though they're not consistent, could still win. So I think there those three are probably the most important players. But if I'm putting ten dollars down, if I am putting my ten dollars in this time of unemployment down on the table. It is for FC Bayern Munich. They have won the domestic double. They have done it defensively. They have done it offensively. We've figured out our defensive problems because now David Alaba can make up for Boateng's lack of speed. Alfonso Davies is fast enough to get back for any winger that he matches. And we have a good midfield and a supportive strike force with Nabri and Coman coming down the sides. I think we've shown that we can be favorites in any game we go into. And here's how it's going to happen. Napoli's going to beat Barcelona. I think it's going to be a surprise, but Napoli's been playing well and Barcelona has not. I think Napoli beats Barcelona. I think we beat Napoli, face Man City in the semifinals, beat them on penalty kicks. That's right. Another British team losing on penalty kicks. Get used to it. And we beat Atletico Madrid gets to the finals, I believe, in that other section because it's easy. Anyone can get to the final in that other section. 
and we beat Atletico Madrid in the final to grab another Champions League crown. I like it. I mean, I, I certainly, bias or not, it certainly isn't a uh, uneducated or like far-fetched idea. I think Bayern is... Uh, I know. Uh, Bayern's looked as good as anyone. Um, I think, I mean, I think the biggest question about this is how is the coronavirus going to affect the tournament? Um, first off, just with like layoffs, like Bayern isn't going to have, have played a competitive game in a while. Of course, PSG and Lyon haven't played a competitive game in it's going to be like half a year. Um, even Real now isn't going to be playing for a while. So it's going to be interesting to see what that does just to, starting to play, but also just in, in the case that, you know, most of the time with the Champions League, it's, you know, you you play a leg, then you go back to your own league, and then you play the next leg the next week, and then there's a few more weeks until you play again. It's going to be, it's going to be such a different uh, timetable that we've ever seen with the Champions League, um, not even just with the fact that it's not doing two legs, um, but the fact that it's going to be a much quicker turnaround. Um, so I, I think that really is is the biggest question, and it's it's tough to say because we've never we've never seen it like this. Um, and it's it's I think that plays into favor of teams that have a lot of veteran leadership and that have competed well in the Champions League before. Um, teams like Bayern, teams like Barca, teams like, I mean, Real Madrid, I think even Atletico Madrid, um, teams that, that just have, have that mindset of, of knowing how to win in this competition. Um, so I, I, think, I think the coronavirus is going to affect it, certainly. Um, and it's going to be it's interesting to see how, how that all plays out. Um, I think it's hard to say that PSG, like anyone who doesn't have an easier draw, I would probably argue Atletico has the easiest draw, though. Because I think Atlanta has a good shot to beat Paris Saint-Germain, especially since they haven't played in so long. Um, and when you're at a team like Atlanta, there is no pressure on them. If they lose this, this match, it's going to be, wow, what a great season for us. We got, I, I believe they're third right now in Serie A with a chance to win, to get in second. I think they're only a point behind Inter. Um, they've made the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Like it, it's oh what a great year! If PSG lose this match, it's another you know moment of they choked again. Um, so I think that helps Atlanta so much. Leipzig just they've obviously had a great rise these last few years, but uh, and I know Atletico has has hasn't had their great you know greatest season, but we've seen Atletico perform in the Champions League when they weren't really in the race for La Liga anyway. Um, Diego Simeone, he knows how to get his team ready for the Champions League. The way that they play is so – it's just well-made for the Champions League. I think even more so now with just having no two legs, just having one match, they're going to make it tough on, on every single one of their opponents. They have plenty of horses to score goals. Um, so I think on paper, it's certainly you know, PSG looks like they have the easiest draw, but I would say Atletico does. Um, as far as hot, yeah, I mean, I, I think I certainly agree with you. It's it, Bayern is, is certainly one of the hottest teams. I, I think Real Madrid. Um, I actually think Juventus is really getting into form. Um, I think they're going to be ready to go. This this Juventus team is another one that has. I mean, they've lost two finals, but lost two finals in the last five years. Um, you got guys like Ronaldo who have won it a lot, um, and and I think they're going to be. They, they seem to have Serie A wrapped up enough where that's not really going to drag them down. Um, if anything more, I think it's just a chance for them to kind of 
get back in form. Um, and it, it's, it, it's still a mountain to climb for Leon, even with that one goal, uh, win in that first leg, not playing so long, I think is gonna, is gonna hurt them. Um, of course, Juventus's path is difficult when, as you mentioned, Bayern's on that side, Real Madrid, Manchester City, Barcelona. Um, but uh, that's why I do think Ronaldo's the most important player. He's been playing. I, I mean, the guy, the guy hasn't slowed down. Uh, he's now the, the first player to ever have 50 goals in the Premier League, La Liga, and Serie A. Uh, he just did, got that done this weekend. The guy's scoring as much as he ever has. Um, and he's the kind of player, especially in a one-game playoff, that can will his team to a win over anybody. Um, if if Ronaldo's on, it, it doesn't even matter if he's playing with ten schlubs and the other team is is world class because that's how much he can affect the game and, and how much he can do. Um, so I think that he has the chance to to drive Juventus to the win. I'm going to put my ten dollars down on on Atletico. Um, I think hey. I think they've got a, a favorable path to the final. Um, they're a team that's been to the final. As I mentioned before, I, I think Simeone is, uh, just knows how to, to get his team motivated and prepared for this competition specifically. Um, he's done it multitude of times with teams that are less talented than this one. Um, they've already overcome Liverpool. Uh, just the other side, I mean, I think Real and Bayern are probably the biggest uh, threats. Um, but Byron still, I mean, the treble's only been done eight times. Of course, Byron got it done in, in 2012, 2013, but that, that treble is, is a difficult thing to do. Um, maybe a little easier this year with the fact that not all three competitions are, are kind of happening simultaneously, um, but, but it's still uh, quite a mountain to climb. Uh, I wonder if that pressure gets to them at all. Of course, they've got a lot of veterans t- to deal with that pressure, but um, they're, they're playing for a lot. They're playing for, for a historical kind of accomplishment. They, don't, they joined Barcelona as the only club to do it twice. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with, with a little bit of an underdog, I would say, but a team that knows this competition well, uh, and I'm going to go with Atletico Madrid. I love that pick. I love that pick. I agree. Like I said, I have them in the final, so I, I definitely think – that they will be there if not win it. So, okay. Well, you heard it here. Uh, that's where the $10 are going. I look forward to getting those from you. Uh, <laughs> who gets, no, who I, gets it if neither of them win? Just the, keep our, our, money. Lo- our loyal audience. Our loyal audience. We'll, we'll pick it to someone. If you message us who you think will win and you're right, then we will, we'll distribute the money. I like that. that. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting. And and with Ronaldo, something funny that happened this weekend. So he hit 30 goals in the Serie A. You know, he scored two goals against Lazio. And then they were winning, they were up 2-0 and Lazio got a penalty and Ciro Mobile was going to take it. And Ciro Mobile had the chance to also hit 30 goals in the same game and Ronaldo went up to the Juventus keeper and was basically like Hey, don't fucking let him hit 30 goals the same <laughs> game as me. And he did, and Ronaldo was pissed. And I know maybe I'm making too much of that, but you saw just watch the highlights. He like goes to the goalkeeper and is like, yo, like, 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 don't like fucking save this. Like, I like she can't let him. This is my time. This is not anyone else's. This is my time. Um, yeah, he's just a one in a lifetime player. I'm so lucky to watch him 
just throughout, um, especially you who got to watch him on your team, which is also such like a, such a delight. Um, also, can we talk about an ex Byron player? I'm just going to say this because I was watching some of the highlights from this weekend. Um, plays for Fiorentina now at the ripe age of 37. Frank Ribéry is the best winger in the league. I don't know. Like, I've heard that, that he's doing well. I had no idea he was on Fiorentina until I watched him this last week. Right, and he killed it. He had that breakaway where he looked like he was 22 years old. Like, truthfully, he's speeding. Like, he's not even playing well. He's running. Like, he's... I don't get it. I don't get it. I love that man so much. In my perfect world, he comes back. You know, but uh, I get it. You know, you got to give the young guns the rein. Okay, well, let's close it out, and we're going to do quick fire questions. Um, is another segment I like to do. We'll come up with it different each week. And Matt, what I want you to do for this is the first time. Just give me an answer. You don't have to explain yourself. Just give me an answer. All right. This- okay. I'm ready. NBA Finals coming back soon. Who's going to win? Sorry, repeat yourself. You cut out for me. So, no worries. NBA Finals coming back soon. Mm-hmm. Obviously, lots of co- things going into it. Lots of teams competing. Who's going to win? Los Angeles Lakers. Los Angeles Lakers. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Um, the FA Cup semifinal defeat for Manchester City, of uh, Manchester United. Do you blame Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or David De Gea more? Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Okay. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think it's fucking true. I think they were the worst team because of the lineup. And even if David De Gea had not made those mistakes, it would have been hard. And finally, this is a, I love to have this. We already have a suggestion uh, from a a fan of the podcast, which is great. Um, And this is from Nick Mendoza. He wants uh, uh, us to talk about the Ballon d'Or has decided to basically not happen this year. It's the first time. Um, since I believe World War II. Um, okay, so it's a kind of a two-parter. Do you think it was the right decision to cancel Belanda or? And if it hadn't been canceled, who do you think deserves it? Uh, no, I don't think it was the right decision. I don't like, especially now that they're playing again, I don't really understand. Like I get, I get it might not be the normal season, but like, no, I, there, there's plenty of soccer. There's plenty of competition going on to reward the uh, Ballon d'Or. And I, I think I would argue, and, and I think this has kind of been a lot of the consensus online, I think maybe Lewandowski is the one that's – That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a conspiracy. Like I think it's – I think he's getting – especially if they go on and they win the treble – with with him and the season he's had, he's got the most league most most goals in the Champions League right now. Like I, I think he's getting screwed, and I don't, I don't like the decision at all. I like it's not like they played twenty games and nothing was decided. Like all these seasons, all these competitions are still coming to fruition. So bad decision, and uh, yeah, I think I think I think Lewandowski's got got a gripe to pick. Right. If he scores and they make it through that side of the bracket, I don't know how you couldn't give it to him. And I honestly don't understand it because, you know, there's some people online saying, you know, Messi or Ronaldo weren't going to get it. So they wanted to cancel. It's like real conspiracy. But like even that doesn't make sense to me because Messi broke an assist record and still won the Pachichi. Ronaldo scored 30 goals. Both of them could still win the Champions League. You could still give it to one of them. I don't understand why you would cancel it. And it's, I think it's just it's just... Uh, it's just a publicity stunt, honestly. It's really disgusting. But thank you, Nick Mendoza. 
we feel strongly about that question. And that was the last of the quickfire questions. Um, on to weekly recommendations. Um, we're gonna do. We're gonna stick to sports right here. Any sports recs you got for us, Matthew? Um, if you haven't watched the English Game on Netflix, I, I highly recommend it. Um, probably not accurate. Of course, England likes to pretend that they invented soccer. Not totally historically true, but they did kind of help make uh, the the modern game um, and like the setup of leagues. And it's uh, it's a really good. Um, six episode kind of like mini series that's on Netflix that, that kind of talks about how um, the FA cup came to fruition and, and even talks a lot about kind of class warfare um, and such. And so it's a, it's a, one of those good sports stories that has a nice sports narrative, but also a, a lot else that's going on um, for the time period um, and such. So I definitely recommend watching the English game. And if you aren't listening to Mina Kimes podcast, the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, which Lenny is her dog. Just do it. I mean, she's like the smartest person in sports. Um, she, she's just an incredible journalist. Always has so much insight. Always has such good uh, knowledge of sports and, and everything that's going on, on around it. So I definitely recommend. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everything. So check out the English game and, and do yourself a favor and go listen to Mina Kimes. Love that. I will listen to Mina Kimes. I have not listened to it, and Matt's recommended it a bunch of times, so it's my fault. Um, Get to work, Yannick. I know. I know. I'm awful. Um, I would say also on Netflix, and I know this is like an oldie, but uh, Last Dance is on Netflix now. So if you did not catch The Last Dance, which if you don't know what it is, where have you been over quarantine? Uh, Seriously. It's the only thing that was happening, um, but is the documentary about Michael Jordan and his uh, quest for the sixth ring. Uh, that sounds like it's Lord of the Rings. That would also be cool. I'd be down with that. Um, I watched it when it was airing live, and regardless of how much you like sports, uh, this documentary is one for the ages, and you don't want to miss out. It just has so much in it, and it's really well done, and I liked it a lot. Uh, so that's what I would do. Uh, Terms of podcast, this is not sports related, but um, if you are into true crime and comedy at all, and you haven't listened to My Favorite Murder yet, uh, you definitely need to do that. It's a really, really great podcast. Um, Georgia Hardstark and Karen Kilgariff, uh, really great. And yeah, I've been listening to it for a while now. I actually listen to it on my runs. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's just always entertaining. So that's what I would say there as well. Any games you're looking forward to this week, Matthew? You talked about the Manchester United game. Anything else? Yeah, uh, well, certainly looking forward to that uh, that Liverpool-Chelsea game. Um, that one is, I mean, should just be a good good match regardless of, of what's at stake and such. Um, and MLS-wise, uh, LAFC against Portland, I think, is going to be be a real good one. Um, if, if LAFC can can win that one, they, they'll win their group. Um Portland, is, I think, has already got, gotten advanced um, no matter what. I think they're going to finish in the top two of Group F. Um, so kind of a battle to see who wins Group F. And two teams that are um, looking as good as anybody. Hey, there's a hello from my dog. Hey. Yeah, uh, she's, she's, a, she's a big sports fan. Oh, um, good. And then fight-wise, this, this, uh, this Saturday, Robert Whitaker against Darren Till. Um, of course, Whitaker used to be – the champ and uh, Till is always a guy, you know, he's never quite gotten up to that championship level, but, but he's a good fighter. Um, and it should be a, a fun main event for this, uh, this Saturday fight night. 
We love that. Yeah, we love that. And for me, uh, again, uh, yeah, Manchester United, Chelsea, uh, Liverpool, West Ham all playing, all going to be really uh, exciting. And um, my other game that I would say is this Thursday, Matthew, I'm not sure if you know, but uh, baseball returning uh, in a crazy setup. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with that setup where every game is worth like six. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be so weird. 60 games is so little. Yeah, it's – I mean, it's really – you. Ha- if anyone gets on a tear for 12 games, that basically guarantees them a top seed. It's nuts. Um, but, yeah, baseball returns on Thursday with the New York Yankees against the World Series champion Nationals. Uh, and that's going to be exciting too. And um, I just want to end our podcast with a little tribute um, to a civil rights activist that died uh, a couple of days ago. Um, and yeah, it, it was John Lewis. If you're not uh, familiar uh, or if you did not hear John Lewis passed away, uh, July 17th. Um, and you know, just a really, really dedicated civil rights leader. You know, he's best known for his chairmanship of the student nonviolent coordinating committee, the SNCC. He helped lead the march that was halted by police violence over the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma in 1965, which was known as Bloody Sunday. Um, he was known as one of the big six, along with Martin Luther King, James Farmer, uh, Randolph, Roy Wilkins, and Whitney Young, and just fought for everything his entire life for the rights of Black Americans um, across the country. Obviously, good trouble being his motto, get in some good trouble. And yeah, it's, it's truly, uh, we lost a big leader and we lost another civil rights leader um, earlier in the week as well. Uh, and I just think it's important to remember him and all the good work he did, especially in this age where, you know, there, it's time for us to pick up that mantle. You know, he did the work his entire life and it's time for someone else uh, to continue that legacy. Yeah, absolutely. Him and uh, Reverend C.T. Vivian, of course, uh, passed away last tough, tough, tough week. Um, two guys who, as you say, they, um, they walk the walk far more than just talking the talk. And, um, you know, I, I think the civil rights movement that we're in right now is made possible because of the work that these guys did 50, 60 years ago. Um, and, uh, may they both rest in power. Right. May they both rest in power. And, uh, there is a documentary. I'm not sure if it's out yet or not. Uh, I did not figure that out. But there is a documentary called John Lewis, Good Trouble, coming out this year, or maybe it's already out. It chronicles his life and career. Another recommendation for you uh, to look up, whether it's being released soon or it already is released. Well, thank you for tuning in to our first joint podcast. Uh, it's been great talking to you, Matthew. Same uh, to you, brother. I, I will miss you this Friday, but we will resume our talking on Monday. Lots to happen in between. Like I said, might. Matt might just drown himself in the river. Yeah, we don't I know. Might, I might be crying the whole episode <laughs> Monday, depending. I mean, I guess, like I said, I'll just have to. We, I guess, we could win the Europa League, which I hope we do anyway. But I would rather not have to uh, bank on that to make the Champions League. Right. Exactly. Um, but thank you for tuning in, regardless. Um, you know, if you have anything you want us to talk about, please, you know, DM the Instagram page. It's two b at two bp. uh, underscore podcast Uh, we're also on Twitter and Facebook uh, so you can find us there for updates but thank you for joining us on this Tuesday afternoon stay safe, stay healthy and wear a fucking mask
Cheers, y'all. Cheers.